0: Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Good afternoon and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today, we're continuing to take a look at the question, Why October 7th, 2015? is the likely end of the world. And this is study number five in that series. Now, so far, we've learned the following information. October 7th, 2015, is 10,000 days since God began judgment on the house of God, the, the churches of the world, the corporate church, back on May 21 in 1988. We've also learned that October 7th is the 1600th day since God began judging the world on May 21, 2011, and that is um, the 40th, 40. And we've learned that October 7th, 2015 is the last day of the Feast of Harvest, and God does relate the Feast of Harvest with the end of the world. Now, uh, there's one more emphasis that the Bible places on October 7th that's a very important emphasis, and it's what we're going to be looking at in today's study. And that is that October 7th, 2015 is also the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's a, a very significant thing because of, of the way that God speaks of the Feast of Tabernacles in the Bible and the way he speaks of that phrase, the last day. Uh, well, let's learn what the Bible has to say a little bit about the Feast of Tabernacles and then we'll look at the language of the last day and see how they come together as God brings the Feast of Tabernacles together with the language in the Bible concerning the last day of the resurrection and the last day of judgment. Let's begin by going to Leviticus chapter 23 and in verse 34. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month, Shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto Jehovah on the first day shall be a holy convocation. ye shall do no servile work therein. Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto Jehovah on the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto Jehovah. It is a solemn assembly and ye shall do no servile work therein. These are the feasts of Jehovah, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire unto Jehovah, a burn offering, and a meat offering, a sacrifice, and drink offerings, everything upon his day. Beside the Sabbaths of Jehovah, and beside your gifts, and beside all your vows, and beside all your freewill offerings, which ye give unto Jehovah, also, In the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto Jehovah seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And shall take you on the first day the bows of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the bows of thick trees, and willows of the brook. and shall rejoice before Jehovah your God seven days." And shall keep it a feast unto Jehovah seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Jehovah your God. In this passage, God um, relates the Feast of Tabernacles to the Feast of Ingathering, and they're held in conjunction simultaneously. Uh, Really, you you can't separate one from the other. Although, the language of the Bible, as we saw last time, God um, is able to uh, identify and And typify the end of the world uh, through um, the language of of harvest, and he also does the same thing with the Feast of Tabernacles. and uh, both were to be held on the fifteenth day of the seventh Hebrew month. Both were uh, following the same timeline of the feast, and both would have the same last day. That ninth day, you know, God speaks of eight days and, and yet the Bible indicates there's a ninth day. The 23rd day of the seventh month is actually the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the day that everyone would return home. And they, they were called by God to come to the feast as we read in Exodus 23. And beginning in verse 14. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Now the Lord selected three main feasts. Passover, also called Feast of Unleavened Bread. Pentecost, or First Fruits, And Tabernacles, or Ingathering. Again, um, held together. And these three feasts were commanded to be observed within the year and we see God uh, by picking 3 is indicating this is his purpose concerning his program for uh, the feast but also spiritually for times and seasons these feasts reveal the purpose of God regarding his program of times and seasons in which his salvation program Would be worked out, and his judgment program would be worked out. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded thee, in the time appointed of the month of Bib. For in it thou camest out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest the first fruits of thy labors which thou hast sown in the field and the feast of ingathering which is in the end of the year when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field three times in the year all thy mail shall appear before the lord jehovah and again we've mentioned this before but you know this is how uh, we learn things in the bible as God keeps repeating them and we keep going over them and, and talking about them, we, we begin to learn the three feasts were to have three spiritual fulfillments and Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread, as it's also called, was spiritually fulfilled at the time the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross. He was Hanging on the cross at the time when the Passover lamb was being slain and, and there he was the lamb of God according to John the Baptist that taketh away the sin of the world. And he spiritually fulfilled that feast. Fifty days later, we had the feast of Pentecost, the feast of, of first fruits. And on that day, God spiritually fulfilled it by pouring out the Holy Spirit. But the third feast, even though those two particular feasts of Passover and Pentecost were fulfilled in close proximity to one another, just 50 days apart, yet in God's wisdom, the third feast of tabernacles or harvest in gathering would not be fulfilled for almost 2,000 years later. And uh, after all, God gave these commandments in Leviticus and Exodus concerning the Feast of Passover and the, the Feast of Pentecost and Tabernacles um, at, at the time when, when they were in the wilderness and, and Moses went up to the mount to receive the law of God. And that would have been after their deliverance from Egypt in 1447 B.C., and and during uh, that 40-year wilderness sojourn, and and therefore Christ didn't go to the cross to spiritually fulfill that law for over 1,400 years later, many centuries later. And likewise, the spiritual fulfillment of Pentecost was not for. Over fourteen hundred years later and and so God can give a law, and then there can be quite a period of space before it's spiritually fulfilled and in God's um timetable, it would not be until the time of the end that the third and final feast tabernacles slash in gathering would be fulfilled at the end of the world and And so here God is indicating three times in a year. And notice here in Exodus 23, the feast of um, in-gathering is mentioned. And we don't read tabernacles, but if we go over to Deuteronomy chapter 16, it says, in beginning in verse 13, Thou shalt observe the feast of tabernacles seven days after that thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine. And thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, thou and thy son, and thy daughter, and thy manservant, and thy maidservant, and the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, that are within thy gates. Seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto Jehovah thy God, in the place which Jehovah shall choose, because Jehovah thy God shall bless thee, and all thine increase, and in all the works of thine hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before Jehovah thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of unleavened bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before Jehovah empty. In these verses, God is mentioning the exact same three Feasts that were to be observed three times in a year. Here he he calls uh, Pentecost the feast of weeks, and yet he doesn't mention ingathering. He speaks of tabernacles because they're uh, synonymous. They're held at the identical time, and 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 therefore the the feasts became very closely related together. Uh, you could if you wanted to emphasize the harvest you could speak of the feast of harvest the final feast of ingathering or if you wanted to emphasize tabernacles you could feast of tabernacles but both began on the 15th day and so they were they were linked together by the calendar they were linked together in god's uh, timetable and uh, and that's why there's this closeness of the language um, when we read about tabernacles or the feast of ingathering now we we know as we uh were discussing in our last study that the bible ties harvest with the end of the world we have looked at Matthew 13 verse 39 the harvest is the end of the world that statement several times And the Bible also ties the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, uh, that language, to the end of the world. It it ties it um, together uh, through the phrase, last day. Let's go over to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah 8, beginning in... Verse 14, and they found written in the law which Jehovah had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in Booths in the feast of the seventh month, that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem saying, go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm trees and branches of thick trees, to make booths, as it is written. So the people went forth, and brought them, and made themselves booths, every one upon the roof of his house, and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the street of the water gate, and in the street of the gate of Ephraim, and all the congregation of them that were come again, out of the captivity. Made boost. Now I would just want to stop there for a second because remember the Feast of Tabernacles is a feast that commemorates the coming out of Egypt. It's a feast really that identifies with tremendous deliverance as all Israel, every Jew was, um, delivered from the land of Egypt. From bondage and and from being um, enslaved to uh, to Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and then when Israel came out of Egypt and wandered in the wilderness for forty years, of course they didn't have any houses. They didn't they didn't um, build any villages or or any huts uh, to to live in. Uh, because they never knew when they would move they they were subject to the will of god and and god uh determined their movements by his cloud uh, the, the cloud would reside upon a place and the tabernacle um, in which the ark uh was kept would would uh, remain and so all israel Stayed at that particular place until the cloud move and the cloud might move the next day or it might move a year from that point and Israel did not know when the cloud would move and once the cloud moved they had to follow and, and that meant they could not, um, have any permanent dwelling or, or even know, well, we're going to be here for six months so Let's, let's build some more solid structures. They, they could not do that because they might move the next day. And, and therefore they had temporary dwellings and, and it would be things they would pick up in the wilderness and, and they, they dwelt in booths and it would be, um, a, a little tent. Uh, that that would be erected for a family, and and that's where they would live, and they would put it up quickly, and when it was time to move, take it down quickly, and follow the cloud wherever God led them uh, through the movement of that particular cloud. Yet here in Nehemiah, it mentions the congregation. Uh, it, let me read verse seventeen again. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, Joshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so, and there was very great, great gladness. Here God is saying that since the wilderness sojourn the days of joshua the son of nun until this time when these people had come out of the captivity and they came out of which captivity the captivity in babylon they they were delivered out of the land of the north and and, and now uh, they had returned to uh, judah but Spiritually, it's the same picture. Coming out of Egypt is spiritually the same as coming out of Babylonian captivity. It points to God delivering his people, to saving his elect. Now, the Bible brings the two together in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 20 and following, Go ye forth of Babylon... Flee ye from the Chaldeans with a voice of singing. Declare ye, tell this, utter it even to the end of the earth. Say ye, Jehovah has redeemed his servant Jacob. And they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He clave the rock also and the waters gushed out. Well, see what God did there? He said, go forth of Babylon, f- flee from the Chaldeans. And and then he mentioned redeeming his servant Jacob. And uh, immediately he started talking of, of uh, the Jews' experience in the wilderness of coming out of Egypt that they thirsted not when they were led through the desert. How can God write that way? No wonder the Bible is such a confusing book to the natural man and and, and to the uh, unregenerate mind they they don't understand how god wrote the bible there there's actually tremendous consistency from verse 20 to verse 21 here uh, in isaiah 48 when we look at it spiritually and we understand babylon represents the kingdom of satan ruled over by the King of Babylon, Satan. Egypt represents the king of Satan ruled over by, yes, Egypt represents the kingdom of Satan ruled over by Pharaoh, a type of Satan. They're, they're a very similar picture and coming out of Egypt is akin to coming out of Babylon. And, and so the feast of tabernacles was being observed as we read here in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, by the congregation that came out of captivity. And, and that's very appropriate, very fitting, because their coming out of captivity was very closely related to the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And, and they dwelled in booths. But now the congregation is making booths to dwell in. And it says, they sat under the booths, again in verse 17, For since the days of Joshua the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so, and there was very great gladness. It's almost as though all history in between has been skipped over from the days of Joshua unto this time. Just as it's as though the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles has not been um, officially observed until we get to the time of the end of the world and, and God delivers all spiritual Israel All those that were in bondage to sin and to Satan. And on May 21, 2011, that great day of deliverance, God opened up the uh, gates of the dungeons. He opened up the prison doors. He let all the captives go free that had been bound, that were chosen uh, to become saved from the foundation of the world. At that point, the last one of those elect had become saved, and it was as though all Israel had now left Egypt, or it was as though all the Jews had come out of captivity in Babylon. It it was what those historical figures pointed to when God saved the last one to be saved, the last Individual whose name was recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life and when that person had the Word of God applied to their heart and became born again, the deliverance was complete and what happens next? Well, if you were a Jew in Egypt, you had been suffering under cruel bondage and, and now you were delivered What a glorious time! What a wonderful time! And you go forth to be tried and tested for 40 years! Or if you come out of Babylon, God doesn't use the picture of bringing the Jews through a desert, but it's the similar picture of deliverance. And and on May 21, 2011... God delivered all that he um, intended to deliver and a period of testing got underway uh, in all likelihood the 1600 day period, which is 40 times 40. It is the spiritual fulfillment of wandering the wilderness after the great deliverance and of dwelling in booths. Or, to say it another way, at that time, the people of God began to spiritually fulfill the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. We, We began to wander in this world still after experiencing great deliverance of all of our people, all the children of God, and to be tested. That, that is exactly what Israel went through, um, physically and, and spiritual Israel goes through spiritually since May 21, 2011. The Feast of Tabernacles, in a sense, has been observed and, and we're proceeding, continuing along day by day. And where are we heading? Where are we going? On October 7th, 2015, which happens to be the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the day that, historically, the 23rd day of the Hebrew 7th month was the travel day. It was the day that everyone would go home because it, it, the Feast was over, and this is the day that God gave an additional day uh, because uh, people couldn't leave on the eighth day. Uh, that that was a Sabbath, and you could only travel so far on a Sabbath. Uh, there there was a th- a thing that God calls a Sabbath day's journey, which was not a very long way, and and therefore God made provision for a ninth day that was the equivalent of the eighth day. And on that day, the 23rd day of the seventh month, people would go home. The perfect day, in other words, for God to take his people home who have been observing the Feast of Tabernacles through their wandering and period of testing after the Great Deliverance. But let's finish reading here in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 18. It says, Also day by day, from the first day unto the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. And, and there God just happens to mention the last day. In Connection with the Feast of Tabernacles from the first day unto the last day. And you, you just gloss over it and, and when reading, don't think too much of it. First day, the last day, of course, it's a seven day feast. There's an eighth day. All right. We know there's uh, a ninth day equivalent to the eighth day, the travel day. And we know that, by the way, from, um, the dedication of the house of God, that Solomon did uh, at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, and uh, it, it mentions in Chronicles and, and in Kings um, a 23rd day. And, and when you count out the days and just, just uh, do this little exercise, get a piece of paper and a pencil and write 15, 16, 17 on, through 23. And then above it, Write 1 2 3 and start 15 would be 1 and by the time you get to 23 that'll be number 9 and and therefore it, there was a ninth day and and that is the day that October 7th is it's that last day uh, that the bible uh, considers it it to be the equivalent of the eighth day well um, let me read it so People can can see that I'm not just saying it. In Second Chronicles chapter seven, it says in verse eight. Also at the same time, Solomon kept the feast seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great congregation, from the entering in of Hamath unto the river of Egypt. And in the eighth day, they made a solemn assembly, for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days, and the feast, seven days. And on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month, he sent the people away into their tents, glad and merry in heart for the goodness that Jehovah had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel his people. Now, again, just jot down 15 to 23 and note, number 1 through 9, and you'll see the 23rd day is the ninth day. And notice, they were sent away into their tents. And, and uh, it would make sense, since all Israel had, the males had to come, and they would bring their families, mostly, had to come to observe the feast. Uh, it would actually uh, help solve the housing problem. There would be a shortage of rooms, to build booths and, and so they dwelled in tents also in observance of the feast. And, and that's what we, we read in Nehemiah 8. They were building booths in order to keep the feast of tabernacles. And that was from the first day to the last day. And that phrase last day is used again by God in relationship to the Feast of Tabernacles in the New Testament. In John chapter seven, uh, it says, first of all, beginning in verse two, now the Jews Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. And and then um, verse four well I'll 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 just read from two. Verse three His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come but your time is all we ready the world cannot hate you but me it hateth because i testify of it that the works thereof are evil go ye up unto this feast i go not up yet unto this feast for my time is not yet full come the feast of tabernacles is what is, is what is being discussed And Jesus mysteriously speaks of not yet going up to the feast because his time is not yet full come. And immediately after saying this, he goes to the feast. It doesn't seem to make any sense until we realize that he's referring to the spiritual fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles, that third Major feasts, remember Passover was spiritually fulfilled at the cross. Pentecost was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And, and let's take a look at that. We can read about that in the Bible in Acts chapter two. And it says in verse one, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And, and then the Holy Spirit was poured out. But notice, that language, when Pentecost was fully come, then the Holy Spirit's poured out and the spiritual dimension of the Feast of Pentecost was finally fulfilled. It was finally observed and kept. The, the feast had always pointed every year that it might have been kept uh outwardly by the jews uh, um, to varying degrees over the course of the many centuries since the law was given to moses that the ceremonial feast days and so forth and and god's timetable for them yeah i'm sure they were uh observed in varying ways over the many years since but never was it spiritually fulfilled, because the Holy Spirit had never previously been poured out on the day of Pentecost until 33 A.D., after Christ had gone to the cross, now all was ready, and, and now God would officially evangelize the world, establishing the church age, through the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost had fully come. The first fruits, even beginning on that very day when 3,000 would hear a sermon and become saved, the first fruits would begin to come in and and would continue to come in throughout the church age, which identified with the feast of first fruits. And, Yet Jesus is, is speaking regarding the Feast of Tabernacles, and he is saying that I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. The, the spiritual dimension of the Feast of Tabernacles it, it was not to be observed in thirty-three A.D. So he went up to the feast. He he wasn't saying something, uh, off the wall. No, he was saying something very, um, uh, full of wisdom with with much understanding. He would go up to, the feast of tabernacles physically, along with all the other Jews that were keeping the feast in thirty-three A.D. But the Feast of Tabernacles was not spiritually fulfilled in that year, so his time had not yet fully come. This is a reference to the end of the world. This is a reference to God spiritually fulfilling the the feast day when uh, his salvation program would be complete. He would shut the door of heaven and bring about judgment day. Judgment Day, the whole prolonged period of time, is an observance of the Feast of Tabernacles unto the last day. And 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 then Christ would fully come to observe the Feast because he would come as the Judge, and he would come in his wrath to punish the inhabitants of the earth and to try... Uh, to test the faith of all of his people well also here in John chapter 7 it says in verse 37 in the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried saying if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink now if uh, here Christ is saying uh, or or identifying uh, with the last day, there it is again. We found it in Nehemiah eight from the first day until the last day, and now the same phrase, the last day, is used again in association with tabernacles, and and that phrase does point to the end of the world, and we'll we'll show that uh, as we go on, but. But here there are some people, and they see this um, this declaration by Jesus: "If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink." And they mistakenly think, "Well, it has to do with the sending forth of the gospel." You see, Christ wants people to become saved, even to the end of the world. They they correctly understand. The last day is referring to the end, but no, no, this is a call to come and drink of living water that flows forevermore into eternity future. It's a phrase, and you know, um, we're we're never to take some verses off and and just go with our assumptions. to check out the words used, the language that's in the verse. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Well, uh, let's go to Revelation 21. In the context of the the first heaven and the first earth passing away, it says in verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, For these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Now, there it is. There it is. It's the end of the world. The world passes away. It's the time of the new heaven and new earth. And there is the Lord Jesus. Uh, It it is done. I am Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. It's also said elsewhere, the first and the last. He is the last and it's the last day, the great day of the feast. And he is saying to his people, his heavy uh, or his burden and troubled and tried and afflicted people, the ones that have been um, staggering along ever since entering into this grievous period of chastisement, this grievous period of trial, and now Christ is comforting his people, come unto me and drink, and you will drink of the pure water of the word of God, of the gospel of God, eternally, forever and ever. What a, a perfect point. What an outstanding point to, to make that kind of declaration for the people of God as they will now turn their attention to eternity future. And notice also it says, "...in the last day, that great day of the feast." The great day in, in Zephaniah. Now, I know that uh, day there is italicized, but uh, based on the first part of the statement, which does say last day, that would mean the last day is the great day. And the translators helped us with that. In Zephaniah chapter 1, God says in verse 15, The great day of Jehovah is near, it is near, and hasteth greatly, even the voice of the day of Jehovah. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet, an alarm against the fence cities and against the high towers. The great day of Jehovah is the day of God's wrath. In Revelation chapter 6, it says in verse 17, For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? In the last day, that great day of the feast. It's the great day of Jehovah. It is the day of um, the furious anger of God as he punishes the world for their iniquity. But uh, let, let's move on. We we don't have too much more time. And now we we have God twice use the phrase the last day regarding the Feast of Tabernacles. And we would think, considering it's the Bible, that uh, that particular phrase, the last day, would be uh, numerous. It, it, it would just be everywhere, because God does warn about the end of the world very often in the Bible. But actually, that phrase, the last day, is only found eight times in the whole Bible. It it was it's only found one time in the Old Testament, and that's in Nehemiah eight verse eighteen that we read, and seven times in the New Testament, once here in John seven verse thirty seven, and the other six times also in the Gospel of John. Let's um, turn back to John chapter six, John six, beginning in verse thirty nine, and this is the Father's will. Which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And then down in verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, "'Murmur not among yourselves. "'No man can come to me "'except the Father which has sent me. "'Draw him, and I will raise him up "'at the last day.'" And then uh, also go to verse 53. "'Then Jesus said unto them, "'Verily, verily, I say unto you, "'Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man "'and drink his blood, "'ye have no life in you. "'Whoso eateth my flesh,' And drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Four times in this one chapter, Jesus speaks of raising up at the last day. And, and this word raise uh, has everything to do with the resurrection. Uh, go to John chapter 11. John 11, and, I'm sorry, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4 first. 1 Thessalonians 4, and verse 14 says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's the same Greek word, or translation of the same Greek word that's translated, raise up. Jesus died and rose again. Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And also in verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians 4, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, or raise up. They will raise up. It's it's language of the resurrection. And I know here here you thought, Uh, since this is Easter Sunday, that we weren't going to talk about the resurrection. We're just going to talk about October 7th, 2015, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, uh, look at that. The Bible leads us, when we look at the Feast of Tabernacles, when we look especially at the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, it leads us to... The resurrection of the dead. I will raise him up at the last day. Not, uh, not once, not twice, not three times. Four times Jesus said that. And in the space of just a few verses. I will raise him up at the last day. Now what point do you think he's trying to make? That he will most certainly resurrect his people... They will not die and, and stay in the ground. Their bodies will rise. They will come up. And, and that is what Martha was confident of. In John chapter 11, she, she came to Jesus. In verse 20, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went in and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And that's the word raise up in John 6. I will raise him up. Thy brother shall raise up again. Martha saith unto him. I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Here we have that phrase, if you were paying attention, in verse 24, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again, or raise up, that same word used four times in John 6, I know he shall raise up in the resurrection at, The last day. The last day. There it is again. The last day, the great day of the feast. That phrase twice used at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now five times, four times in John 6, and once here in John 11, five times used in reference to the resurrection which comes at the end of the world. Five times, that's seven total, there's only one other place and that's also in John chapter 8 in verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him, the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And, and here, uh, God is indicating the word of God will judge in the last day. Now, notice there was a slight difference with the other verses. It said at the last day, uh, again and again, at the last day. Even in John eleven twenty four, in the resurrection, at the last day. But this says here in John twelve forty eight. In the last day. The Word shall judge in the last day. How careful, how exact God is. Because the Word has been judging over the course of this prolonged judgment day. A prolong, or the, this judgment day that is a prolonged period of time since May 21, 2011 through October 7, 2015 in all likelihood. The word is judging in, within the whole context of the last day. But it's only at the last day, that would be the very final day of the whole judgment, that there is a resurrection, that there is the raising up of God's people. And so God carefully chooses even that little word and, and he does not use the word "in" in when speaking of raising up his people at the last day, and that means that the Bible does view the the last day, uh, which in all likelihood would be October seventh, twenty fifteen, as the final day of judgment. It it, it is a day that stands alone in many regards. And there is a heavy, heavy emphasis placed on October 7th, 2015. Now, we can say uh, this absolutely. We're, we're saying strong likelihood it will be the end. And that means perhaps we're wrong. And perhaps it will not be the end of the world. But we can say the following things in an absolute way regarding... October 7th, 2015. It absolutely is the 10,000th day of judgment since May 21, 1988. And it absolutely is the 1600th day, or the 40th 40. It, it It's uh, uh, the last day, the 40th 40, um, uh, since May 21, 2011. And it absolutely is the last day of harvest in... 2015 and it absolutely is the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles this year and and all these things are coming together on and falling on that particular day it is the last day uh, again the the 10,000th day the 1600th day the day of the final day of harvest, and the final day of tabernacles. Will it be the last day of this world's existence? Thanks for joining us for E-Bible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.